Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to Women in Music with me, Millie Cotton. For this week's episode, I spoke to international DJ and Defected Records queen, Sam Devine. Sam has been playing the world's biggest clubs for years. She's a DJ who knows exactly what to play and when to play it. Sam fronts a Defected Sounds radio show and is well and truly the first lady of the label. Divine Sounds, Sam's own record label, champions up-and-coming artists, propelling them into the spotlight. And somehow between all that, Sam finds time to make and put out her own music. Her remixes of Garage Anthems, Flowers and My Desire are just a couple of her absolute bangers. It was so brilliant to sit and chat with Sam, both in our own homes of course, and there's not a lot that we don't cover. It's such a killer episode of Women in Music. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hiya. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Is, is that better for you? Yeah, that's fine. Do you know what? Either way, it's absolutely fine, to be honest. I've got such a weird setup. I'm downstairs. I've only got one signal, but on um, I've got Wi-Fi, but even that's a bit dodged down here. But my my husband is building the settings for uh, the live stream this evening, so I thought I'm just going to hide downstairs. Oh, amazing. <sighs> is that the Women in Music thing that you're doing with... Oh, I saw it earlier. Oh, Alicia? Yes, yeah. No, no, no. This is for um for DJ Mag. Oh, amazing. That'll be so good. Yeah. What time yeah. is that? So that's why well, we're actually pre-recording it, but it's going live on either friday or monday i think it's i think it's friday okay nice yeah i've been putting off for weeks i thought right today is the day wash the hair put some makeup on and actually get with the program (laughs) no i know the feeling how have you been holding up in lockdown aside from working what else have you been up to because you're working quite a lot really aren't you yeah, I mean, it's absolutely no different for me. Obviously, I'm not traveling every weekend, but in terms of, you know, keeping the brands going, you know, coming up with cool content ideas and just kind of keeping the overall look, you know, still as if, you know, as if nothing, you know, a pandemic isn't happening. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I'm super busy with the radio show and I've been doing some presenting um, for the Defective Virtual Festival. Um, I've got kind of a few live streams coming up now like dj mag and size official um beatport tomorrowland maybe is on the cards and yeah there's just so much going on like literally um i can't wait for the weekends just so i don't feel (laughs) guilty for not working (laughs) that's amazing that's mad that it's i'm well i'm so glad that everyone's managed to adapt so well in the music industry it seems like one of the in the only industries that's adapted to almost not, there not be any change like obviously yeah. we're at home and we're drinking and watching live dj sets but it's so nice yeah, to yeah. still be able to do that yeah for sure i've been really loving the defective festival every week by the way it's um oh, wicked. literally oh, the highlight wicked. of my week it's so good you've had so many brilliant djs on and just I've, i'm like sitting there with shazam like shazam all the <laughs> Oh, wicked! Well, yeah, they've got Glitterbots this week, and then I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna um, give up who they've got for the defected on the next one. But it's like insane. Yeah. So, what's the process behind? Do you help get the lineup together as well? Because I know that you're hosting the festival, and obviously you played the first one at Ministry. But yeah. So, are you putting together the lineups? 
No, not at all. That's um, that that's a team effort with Simon Dunmore, um, and just kind of working through relationships. I mean, I, I mean, every week he goes bigger and better. And after you know next weekend, I'm like, how are you going to go bigger than that? Like, you can't really go any bigger than that. So, um, I don't know if they're going to have a little break for a while because obviously it's so time consuming. They've got the whole team. Um, you know, the whole office working from home and obviously we haven't got events so this is our kind of, you know, the main thing that we're pushing but in between we've got, you know, releases coming out and, you know, um, artist spotlights and, um, you know, but I mean, they raised, I think, half a million pounds last Friday for COVID-19, which is insane. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and like the streaming numbers are like off the chart and, you know, it's, it's really built some momentum now in, into a massive monster. So um, hopefully they're going to, ca- you know, carry it on for as long as possible. I mean, like you just said, you know, it's it's, it's helping so many people through mm. lockdown, you know, the amount of messages that I get from people and it's, you know, really lifting their spirits because it's not really, if you're, you know, if you're furloughed, or you know you're working from home there's not you know there's nothing else going on so I think live streams you know are absolutely key and I haven't actually done anything outside defected live stream yet um I did a track source mini mix actually on Monday Mm. um but you know I've just been so busy and also it's like can I be bothered to wash my hair? Like, I've got no nails. I've got no eyelashes. <laughs> I'm exactly and it's the same. So crazy that yeah, it's so crazy that like that's actually stopping me from doing a live stream because it's just like oh, it's effort. Like I just live in my tracksuit, which I do anyway, whether I'm you know working or not. Um, but yeah, it's just such an effort. But even though with the guys, which is really funny, because I'm speaking to a, a lot of my a lot of my guy friends that are DJs too and they're like I asked them to do a birthday message for Divine Sounds they're like Sam you're killing me like my hair's like really long and I need a shave and I'm like yeah now you know how we bloody feel yeah I'm feeling very weird about my eyelashes definitely that's probably my one main thing that I'm a bit like oh I know and nails like my nails are always super long as well and I've had to like um, soak them all off so it's just like oh but do you know what if that is my only problems in life my eyelashes and my nails I'm actually fine isn't that so so true very yeah. very true taking it back a little bit how did you first get involved with defected so that's um yeah it's actually quite a cool story because the more I mean I've told this story so many times and I forget different bits out of it but like I was saying about it yesterday last week to one of my friends and um and it kind of came about that I was I started off as um they actually just started this position for me and it was just called Defected Street Team and I was actually the only person I'd known Tony Garvey who was working at the office at the time um just through kind of like various interviews he was like the press um like the press manager there and he was like, Sam, I've got this wicked idea. Come and be, you know, part of the Defected Street team. We're going to send you to, um, like, I was already doing a season in Ibiza anyway that year in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, we're just going to send you a box of, you know, single, defected singles or samplers. Um, and then you service the DJs and just kind of report back to us what, you know, what DJs are playing, what defected tracks. Um, and it just worked really well. Obviously, that's like my dream job because previous to that, I mean, I've followed defected for, you know, almost 20 years, um, just, you know, going through their catalogue and collecting their CDs and just loving, like, the sound that they were bringing, which was predominantly more of a soulful house sound then. Mm. Um, yeah, and, I mean, Simon called me into the office at the end of the summer Um and I remember we were in Oxford. He said, meet me in Oxford Street. So I met him in Oxford Street and we jumped in a black cab back to the office. And he was like, how would you feel about being um, defected events manager in Ibiza? And I was like, 
obviously I just said yes on the spot thinking oh my god I've never done anything like this before I promoted parties before mm. been doing that for a really long time and I'd been a booking age um a booker at a club when I first kind of started DJing but nothing on this scale so yeah I worked out at the office for three months um just part-time so I was booking all the artists uh hotels um liaison with their managers with their uh with their agents and then yeah literally just threw me in at the deep end we did a workers party in may and then that was it i I, I was off um i actually thank god at the time i was actually running a club in um in west in london and i just said i kind of like blagged this position for her and i was like oh you know can can i bring a friend and she was like a massive help she she'd kind of been doing that she's actually gone on to um run high in a schwire now oh nice so yeah, so it was kind of like doing the full the full circle for, for both of us really. So yeah, it was just you know just to have kind of like my right hand man, and and then that led on to actually being signed to Defected mm. at the end of two thousand and nine. So they kind of put me through my paces for a good kind of summer and a half, well two summers actually, mm. before I kind of actually landed the um, you know landed on the DJ roster, and at the time. Um, a lot of people were like, oh, you know what? Because I was the only, I was the first female DJ like on on um, on defective roster, amazing, and and was the first female DJ for you know a good kind of eleven years after that. Actually, it, it was just me, and and I don't believe that they ever booked any other female DJ apart from when we started doing Croatia. So it was like Peggy Goo, Monkey, uh, Jess Bays. Mm-hmm. Um, Natasha kicking out because she's more kind of like glitter box. So it was just kind of like me with the boys for, for a really, really long time. Um, and then Defected actually got stick, I remember, at Croatia because they weren't, they were booking female DJs, i.e. that year was actually Peggy Goo and Monkey. Um, who else was it? There was someone else. I think it was uh, Katie Goodman and Natasha Keycat. And um, they, someone was getting a lot of grief. And that year, they just kind of said, right, let's just sign some female DJs. Um, and it, I think it gave, you know, that they signed Jess Bays and Katie Goodman. And I think it kind of gave hope as well for a lot of other female artists because Jess had only been DJing like four years. And obviously, I'd taken it, you know, through under my wing. And they yeah. saw that I was championing her. And, um, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into Jess. So it's kind of like a natural move for her. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the time when I got signed, I think Simon got a lot of grief for like booking, you know, for having a female DJ on the firm. That's probably loyal, won't say that, it? but I kind of got the gist of that. because uh, Yeah, I kind of felt like there was a little bit of sexism back then. It was mm. like, you know, I remember actually, and this sticks out in my head so much, and it actually came from Simon. Um, I used to host the... Uh, defective show on Ibiza Global Radio and it was I was warming up and it was Junior Jack and Kid Cream I think Shapeshifters and maybe uh, maybe ATFC maybe and um I said so Simon who have you got playing tonight knowing full well that I was playing and he mentioned everyone's name apart from me and I was like oh ouch like maybe you've just forgotten but you know I'm still on the lineup and that was when I kind of felt the first pinch is that females can't or maybe aren't always at the forefront of people's minds mm. um and that was kind of like but that's you know it's only very very minor things like I don't think I mean your stats were crazy when, when I read them I was like oh my god like the ratio is is crazy but I've got a th- I've actually got a theory behind that um that you know there's not a lot of female producers 
i.e. making top 10 beatball hits, right? So if you're a festival booker, you've got, say, for instance, half a million pound um, budget to book talent. So you need to make that back and some sell, you know, you've got to pay all your vendors, you've got to pay all your agents, you've got to pay all the production, you know, your ticketing staff and marketing and everything else. So you've got to be tripling, if not quadrupling your your, your money back, right? Mm. So if you're not booking a DJ that is going to sell tickets, um, then why are you going to book that artist? So unfortunately, females do fall in. I mean, that's only my theory because I can't think of any other reason why females aren't getting booked. It makes a lot of sense though because if you think about the reason why a lot of DJs become really well-known, it's because they make that banger track and then that track people want to go and see and they want to see it played out. Like, it doesn't matter that, you know, it's not essentially live. They just want to see the DJ who made it play it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I just think, you know, there's not, I I don't think production actually comes as natural to to girls as it does guys. Like you have got to be a bit of a nerd. Mm. Um, And there are loads of nerdy, you know, loads of nerdy girls out there. However, I was just never a nerdy girl. I was just always into raving and nothing else. Like I always used to say, you know, more of 80% raver than I am a DJ um (laughs) because I just loved being in the clubs like I didn't have time to I didn't Simon Dummer also said to me like right from the start if you're not making Beatport top 10 records regularly just don't bother with production and that always stuck in my head and I'm kind of living proof that you don't need to make records to you know be an international touring DJ however I think times have definitely changed and um you know, back in the day, people never questioned, like, oh, there's no females on, on festivals lineups. That's just the way it was. And whether that's just ignorance or people didn't want to talk about it, but it was never like, I never looked at a festival lineup and thought, oh, I'm the only female DJ on this on this lineup. Because I, I never look at myself as a female DJ. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm an artist. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm one and I'm one of the lads, you know, they all kind of look at me as like the sister or the or the mother hen. I never put myself into that bracket of, oh, I'm a female DJ. I never kind of I never played that card. And I think maybe some DJs do play that card and they're like, oh, why are we not getting bookers? Why are we not getting that? Just work harder. Cause I've worked my absolute nuts off, you know, to get to where I am. Yeah, and, you know, to be an inspiration to other girls that Yes, it is hard, and and if you say if you're say if you're a shy person, you can still be you can still be shy and be confident, and still have you know um, still have balls to to, to stand up to, to for yourself. You know, you've got to knock down doors, and I think maybe if you're a female DJ and you kind of get that door you know closed in your face you've just got to keep going and keep going and keep going like and i think that it's the survival of the fittest um and, and unfortunately in any industry not just the music industry we all know that the ratio is you know there's a lot less women in you know ceo positions mm-hmm. or um especially in the music industry as well like how many female managers or agents are there or sound engineers or club owners or do you know what I mean it's just it's just that's just the way it is for whatever reason um and there's absolutely no reason why you know a female can't be a sound engineer but when when you kind of leave school you're more into like makeup and not not everyone but you know into boys I remember I you know used to own horses and ride horses and, and my riding teacher said to me as soon as you you know as soon as you um 
you know, boys come on the scene, you'll forget about horse riding. I was like, never, like, I, you know, I was so into it. But it's true, you just do and just, you know, life gets in the way. I was I was 21 till I actually bought my first set of decks. Like, I was really, really late. Mm. Whereas, like, my husband was, like, 13, and pretty much all the guys that I know were easily 16, 17 when they started DJing. So, you know, if you haven't kind of, if you're not in that circle as well, um, but I think girls are getting younger and younger. I mean, I've got a girl who is, she's either 13 or 14 wow. that follows me. Yeah, and she messages me all the time. And her dad's got a club in Bulgaria. And they actually booked me um, to go and play there. And, and she was she was crying. She warmed up for me and she was literally crying um, at the end of the set. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, this is so cool. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a massive influx of female DJs for whatever reason. Do you think um, it's just because we're seeing more female DJs. I think, you know, 10 years ago, because I don't think I saw my first female DJ, and I'm sorry to use the term female DJ, but like, you yeah, know, yeah, DJ yeah, who's yeah. a female. Um, yeah. Until I was like, I don't know, maybe like eight years ago, and I had moved to London from Kent, because I'm from Kent, and like, yeah. every every club there is a bit naff, to be honest, firstly. Yeah, yeah. And then, secondly, there were never any female DJs until no. I moved to London, and even then it was like far and few between. And actually, my yeah. first female DJ that I saw was at a fashion event. And yeah, I was yeah. like, shit, like, I would love to do that. I didn't even know it was a possibility. So I yeah. think now that we're, you know, more females are being booked, it's like one of those weird, it's like the chicken and the egg. You don't know where it starts. But until you start seeing more female DJs, more female yeah. DJs aren't going to be booked because people aren't necessarily, they don't know that they can do it, maybe. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I just think, you know, it's like... It, it, it's a boys club there is absolutely no denying that it is a boys club and I think girls are kind of maybe a little bit scared um uh, because everyone's kind of got their cliques their crews um mm. everyone you know say if you're 18 now you've only been raving for what a year two years maybe whereas everyone that's kind of like say that's in my kind of circle um like say Patrick Toppin or Darius Sarossen or Josh Butler or Aminedge and Dance or Low Stepper we've all been doing it for nearly 20 years um you know I know Low's been doing it for 21 I've been doing it for 20 me and Low Stepper have actually known each other for like 17 years um you know, and I'm, I'm not, I mean, I get nervous playing in front of a hundred people than what I would if I got, if I was playing in front of 10,000, like it's mental. So it, you know, you do have to have a certain level of confidence. And I think it's so hard. Like, where do you start? Like you can get some mm. decks, but then what comes after decks? Like, what do you do after that? So I was going to ask just, you, like when people want to get booked, like what, what do you suggest that they do? Because it's all well and good being like technically great and being able to put stuff out on soundcloud and if no one's listening to it and yeah. if you're getting like blanked on emails like how would you say is best for people to start i mean you have to like say so i wanted to play at defected there was no other brand that i wanted to play at so i used to go to defected um at pasha every tuesday on my night off <clears throat> i used to play in a bar in in uh, the west end called hush six nights a week actually yeah five or six nights a week so I used to go to Cocoon on a Monday um or DC 10 on a Monday then go to Cocoon and then I'd be absolutely hanging and then go to Pasha at Defected um on a Tuesday so I was literally going every every Tuesday for like two years before I even met Simon Dunmore actually probably longer than that it was probably about 
four years, three or four years, um, because that was the music that I loved and that's what I wanted to do. So I think you have to, you know, you have to put yourself out there. Say if you want to play at Fuse go to fuse every party and try and you know wangle your way backstage or be at the front or just soak it up because you can't just go right i like defected i play all the defected records so i think that why am i not getting signed to um, playing on a defected night you know i get a lot of guys say that to me and i'm like if you think that it was that you know that it's that easy to do that mm. then you're definitely in the wrong you're definitely in the wrong game because it was an absolute slog it was not easy and some people might have said oh you know it was luck well it wasn't luck I was just putting myself in those situations um so that if the opportunity arise I was ready for it like I was so hungry and so passionate and I lived and breathed everything that I did and I put 100% into it and you know I played for 80 quid um for you know a, a two-hour set for 80 quid and that wouldn't even cover my petrol because it'd be somewhere in like Yeovil you know and, and I you know you just I think it I think it's actually quite easy now when I look at some of the female DJs up and coming it's just like n- not taking anything away from them but they haven't had the hustle they haven't had the graft like like we've had it's they've got a manager within a year or two years or an agent within a year or two years and then it looks kind of easy from the outside looking in um and I also think you know knowledge comes with experience you have to be doing something a really really long time Mm. um you know if you're just like I've got some decks I really love playing house music it's got to be so much more than that you have to literally live it and breathe it um and it takes time you know so if you think I was playing so I've been with Defected 12 years this year so I was playing seven years um before I got signed to Defected and I and I actually went 15 years before I even got my first manager. Wow do you know what that's incredible to hear though because if you think about a lot of people and do you know what myself included you can be doing it for a lot of years and you do wonder if you're doing something a bit wrong. Yeah yeah. But it's a case yeah. of it's just persistence really is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, and and just don't take no for an answer. I mean, don't get it so where you're like really annoying someone because <laughs> people just lock you off. But um, you know, I just think if you believe in yourself and you've got a brand that you can sell, because that's that's what agents. See, another thing as well. Okay, so I only did my first America solo tour um, was so I did my first one with Defected um, last year, and then I did my first solo tour in. Um, October and sold out five of the shows on there and I was like oh my god like I was I was petrified of going to America because I was thinking what as if no one turns up what as if um they don't like me and I got myself in such a mess and I had really bad anxiety while, while I was on tour because it it's so much pressure mm-hmm. a traveling on your own be traveling as a female on your own. See, putting the pressure on, oh my God, like, are they going to like me? Am I going to, uh, you know, anyone going to be at the shows? And I was literally worrying for nothing because at the end of the day, it's like, you have to believe in your brand. You have to, without being obnoxious or, you know, getting too big for your boots or not being humble, you can still believe in yourself and still be humble. Like, I've got an amazing network of, of friends around me and my family. And um, my mum's always said to me, day one, the day you get a big head, you know, you'll get a slap kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they've really kept me humble and grounded. And and I think that shows as well because everything, I've pretty much achieved everything that I've wanted to in life. But, you know, it was you know, like the sensual mix was a big one. And, um, sorry, going back to actually America, they, my agent said to me, my manager, sorry, at the time, I haven't actually got a manager now. Um, 
he was saying that agents would not book me if I if I wasn't over a hundred thousand followers on on Facebook. On Facebook. So on Facebook, which is mental. Why right? Facebook? So I just at, at, at the time, I think weird. it's probably Instagram now, but this was yeah. this was like five years ago. So it took me three years to get from fifty thousand to like a hundred and seventy thousand. I'm on now, I think, mm. and that was like. That was tough, and I couldn't understand it. I was like, "That's bullshit!" Like, why? I could, I'd been, you know, signed to Defected for one. Um, you know, I'm playing all over Europe, but America just would not let me through the doors. Like, and it was, it was, it was a, it was a, a massive setback actually, because I was so upset, and I, and I don't know if this was just because I was a female or whether it was just because I just didn't have a hundred thousand followers. Because to them, they're like, "Well, you're a nobody," which I got and I understood and I completely accepted. Um, so you're a nobody, and we're going to be bringing you over. How are we going to sell you? So I guess they just wanted, you know, the numbers, and I, and I would, I would hope that it wasn't because I was just female. Yeah, um, no, I never I asked that, that question. So with yeah. things like that, though, it's it's a bit of a shame that people are relying on numbers and social media because a lot of DJs maybe don't have the biggest numbers on social media, but they do have a really solid following. Yeah, but also, I mean, you kind of say that it's like, say, I've got. Um, I can't remember the last time I did I think it was like 130,000 followers on Instagram. However, when I do UK shows, I struggle to sell 300 tickets if I'm doing, say, an openers. Mm. And it's so stressful. But I can go to America where hardly anyone knows me or they know me through the radio show and I can sell out shows. I just don't get it with the UK market. It's so funny. Um, yeah, ugh. weird. When you yeah, are um, putting your sets together, how do you generally do it? Do you put a set together for your the audience that you think there's going to be at a venue or do you do yeah. it just yeah 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 so I do it by kind of country or show so in America um in America for instance I will play less new stuff and more kind of like edits and more kind of like a party vibe and more defected mm. whereas if I'm in the UK I tend to play more upfront, which I don't actually like doing so much. So, like, with festivals, I kind of feel sometimes it's a throwaway set because the kids just want to hear what they know. So, like, for instance, I've played Flowers 10 million times. I'm so <laughs> bored of that record now. Um, and people, like, legit get really, like, annoyed. Oh, you've never played Flowers. I've come to see you play Flowers. So... I've kind of had to put that back in my sets now. Um, I actually had someone the other day like, oh, you never played Confessions. Like, oh, my God, I'm so bored of that record. But I get it. Because, like, say Dennis Rare when he doesn't play Hey Hey, I'm mm -hmm. so annoyed at him. I'm like, Dean, man, you didn't play Hey Hey. And he's like, Sam, don't, you know, I've played that record to death. So I get it. So different countries, um, different parties. I kind of put, like, a four-hour, four hours worth of music for a two-hour set. Because yeah. I find that if I've got, like, six or seven hours my set is a mess because it's just so many different genres in one playlist that mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to flow so then what I do is if it's like say um like a student night for instance I'll put more of a kind of commercially set together because you know they've got attention span of a fish <laughs> so if you're not playing hits that they love they just literally just go to the bar or they go out for a cigarette and then you'll let you just like panic in there so if I'm kind of playing a show that maybe is a little bit more commercial I can go oh boom I'll go back to a student night and then I can play those tracks from there um but I never know really I mean I never kind of plan a set I just have new music new pr promos um and then I've got my playlist that I can you know reach for if 
you know, if, if I see that, I, I call it going fishing. So, you know, I'll, I'll throw the line out, and if they like tech house, um, I'll, I'll carry on with that. If they're like, oh, I'm not really feeling this, then I'll go for, like, maybe, like, a big commercial record, like Show Me Love or, you know, like a mm-hmm. dance record. If they go for that, then I'm kind of on, on a path and I've won them over. But I actually have, like, a three-track rule. So you play something they know, something they don't know, and then something for yourself and repeat. And that is kind of worked for me my whole career. That's a, I'm going to be stealing that and using it. <laughs> yes, do it, do it, do it, do it. Pass the knowledge on. <laughs> um, so I saw last year that you stopped drinking for a bit. I yes. find this so interesting because with the late nights and the dancing and the music, it's obvious that most DJs drink. Yes. How well, was we all that? Do. We yeah, all do. exactly. Like, how did you find not drinking? So I actually did it for Sober October. Okay. Um, so I actually did it for charity and I actually raised three and a half grand for charity. Wow, amazing. So I was that kind of, and I actually did my first um, America, like solo America tour in October. I think I flew out. Oh no, actually I did, defect, I did Ibiza closings and that started on the, the 4th of October. So I actually went sober from the 3rd um, and I hated every single minute of it. I literally, I barricaded myself in the corner of Eden and anyone that came up to talk to me, I was just like, Ugh, go away, don't talk to me. Like, you're drunk or you're just <laughs> off your nut. Like, just leave me alone. It was it was horrible. And I was actually closing back to back with low steppers. So I had to be, so we'd done Mambo's, um, yeah, Mambo's pre-party. Then we then we always go to um, another little bar around the corner. And then I was playing like six o'clock in the morning. So mm-hmm. I was sober for so long and all my friends flew out for it. And obviously, you know, there's loads of industry heads. And I was literally like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this because that was literally the worst night of my life. Um, and when I, that was my first show that I played sober as well. My head was in the mix. So I just wasn't enjoying it. I couldn't catch a groove. And I was just like, this just isn't for me. And then on the Tuesday, no, on the Wednesday, I flew out to America and I did my first show my head was in the mix so I had no confidence and I'm just like how am I how am I gonna do this because I'm just not enjoying playing sober it was like you know I hadn't been sober for 15 years mm. I drink every single weekend and I party every single weekend so but all my friends were like oh my god you can do it and like you know everyone online was like really behind me and obviously because I was doing it for charity as well I couldn't let anyone down and I actually had the best month of my life in America. Like, um, did loads of sightseeing. I drove down the, the, uh, the Cali coast. I went to Napa Valley. Like, I was getting up every day. I was sleeping better. And I was like, oh, my God, actually, this sober life's for me. I'm going to carry it on. Um, so I carried it on for 100 days. And um, I actually only drank because I, I even did New Year's Eve completely sober. I drove, to, I dro- was driving to all my shows. Yeah. Um and then I actually, yeah, I was, I was going away for the weekend with my friends and it was the 4th of January. I was like, Do you know what? I'm just going to have a drink. I'm not going to, like, I've done 100 days. I'm proud of myself for that. But it was so easy to slip back in. Like, in lockdown, I've been drinking a little bit again. Um, actually, leading up to lockdown, I was only, I only have sparkling water on my rider now. And, um, you know, I, I sent my advancing team and my agent and my assistant um and a couple of people into effect and just said look guys for me to stay on this sober path i really need you to back me on this and and you know just uh you know don't you know give the promoters a heads up that i'm not drinking mm-hmm. um and it was just a completely different experience and having that team around you that you know really want you to win and succeed at being sober because my mental health was suffering so badly like in january of last year um 
I didn't get out of bed for three weeks. Like, I literally thought I was going around the, around the bend. Like, I was going to um, put myself into, like, a psychiatric hospital. And it got it just got really, really bad. And it was only when my husband was, like, coming down every day with, like, bacon sandwiches and a cup of coffee. He was like, come on, get out of bed today. I was like, leave me alone. Just shut the curtains, turn my phone off. And, and, it, was, and it was purely for just, A, being exhausted and, B, just just partying too much and it just mm. all you know I've been partying for since I was 50 years old I'm nearly 40 years old now you know it's it's gonna take its toll on you and I just thought you know what just enough is enough and it actually took me from January to October for it to sink in and I just needed a reason really to go sober so I'm actually three days sober now mm. um I'm gonna try and go for 100 days again and yeah, it's, it's really difficult. And actually, you know, it's inspired so many other DJs to be like, oh, do you know what? I never thought that I would ever, you know, that would even be my vocabulary being sober. But my mm-hmm. advancing team said a couple of the artists um, that they also look after was like, yeah, we're going to follow Sam's suit and just put water. I, I have literally sparkling water and a pick and mix on my rider. That's it. <laughs> I love the pick and mix, so. Yeah, I think sometimes with alcohol, though, especially like it can help, or people think that it might help with nerves. And a hundred percent, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally, totally agree because, as I said, the first kind of few shows that I did, my head was in the mix, so I didn't even look up. And I was actually speaking to um, to Hannah once about this because she was like, "Oh, you know, I've re- you know, see so you doing your sober thing, and um, you know, how how would you feel about?" you know, when you're playing, she said, because when I do it, my head's just in the midst. I said, yeah, exactly the same. But the more you do something with anything in life, the more you do it, the more you get used to it. Mm -hmm. I've actually got a life coach now um, to help me kind of stay on the right track. And I'm actually really excited. I started yesterday and we're going to be doing breathing techniques. So when you, before you get on, because it's almost like stage fright. That's how it's explained. It's almost like stage fright. And um, he said, you know, there's some breathing techniques that I can do before, just before I get on the decks. You know, if it's like something silly, like 10 star jumps, and when you get on, you're kind of like hyped for it. So, you know, I'm still, you know, getting used to sober life. And I haven't kind of gone off the wagon too much, but it's too much if I want to, you know, if I don't want to slip back into my old ways. And it's so hard, you know, every single DJ, pretty much that I know, drinks when they're playing and it isn't literally just to get absolutely obliterated it is literally just a confidence thing and it's a social thing as well um you know if you're not drinking like you know Ibiza clo- uh, defective closing I wasn't drinking I felt like I was boring and everyone was just chatting shit in my ear and I was just like oh god like you almost like alienate yourself but you know Mm. Uh, those are all things that you do have to overcome but they're so it's so important to stay healthy in, in this industry because you know you're touring all the time you're eating rubbishly you're, you're sleeping patterns out the window you're drinking you're partying you know it's rough it's rough just not just on your body but on your on your mind as well yeah 100 percent um congratulations on divine sounds turning five that's so exciting thank you yes thank you so yeah, you... it's been... oh no, you you go. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it's 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 blood, sweat, and tears for the last five years, um, and I really hope it's inspired people kind of to start their own record labels as well. Because when we first started, for the first two years, there was no one, no one was starting record labels. We were kind of just out there doing our thing, and I think the first two years were definitely our best years. Um, and then you know, the same as anything, it kind of catches on, and then you know, you just see everyone just popping up with record labels um and then kind of like 
I almost like lost the momentum for it for about 18 months. I just, I kind of, I mean, Jess Bay, she helps me run the label as well as my other best friend, Camilla, as well. And um, I just kind of handed the reins over to the girls and I just needed to to just concentrate on on my career. And I kind of took 18 months out of the label um, mm. and then kind of came back into it. Uh, December just gone, actually. And, um, I mean, we're not going to actually announce this, but Defected have actually bought into it and it's all going to be in-house at Defected now. So I'm still going to have, like, the overall say of everything and the music and, and the look. But, um, yeah, Defected have, have, have taken it in-house now, which was starting from the 1st of July. So I'm so excited to see where, kind of, like, the next five years go. That's amazing. But, Congratulations. Yeah, it's thank huge. you. It's just, yeah, it's just, a, you know, it was just a little project that we started. We absolutely winged it up until now like literally i don't even know how we've got some of the artists on the labels like yeah it's just like sometimes i just have to pinch myself thinking wow did we really do that but um yeah we've also got divine sounds virtual festival next weekend as well oh nice who on your label are you really really excited about the moment i'm sure excited about everyone but if you had to pick so a couple couple of people yeah it's either um cormac and nautica i mean cormac is a bit more established than nautica um but nautica just kind of i think jess found them actually or or they sent some promos but they're such lovely guys and the music that they make is like unreal for their age um it's more on that kind of like deep vibe as well. So unfortunately, there's not a lot of the tracks that we can sign. But when they make kind of like the more clubbier tracks, I mean, we signed an EP from them and, and it did really, really well. Um, but they're just lovely guys. They're just, you know, in it for all the right reasons. And um, they just literally just need a break. Literally, same as, same as everyone. You just need your foot on the first, um, you know, on the first step on the ladder. And, and then you're kind of flying after that. But um, yeah, we, we, I'm really excited about them. And I'm really excited about... Uh, Cormac, we've actually been sat on a track for 18 months. Um, it's due to come out this month, but obviously with COVID-19 and no clubs being open, it would kind of be a silly move because we need to get the content, um, you know, content for for the for our channels for the track. So we're putting it out on the 26th of June, and I'm really really excited. I think there's such a massive buzz about the record already, and I'm doing um, some collabs with Cormac as well. And I've worked with him in um, a studio in Sydney. Yeah, and he's he's just become a really really good friend now. So yeah, Cormac and Nautica. Nice. And um, finally, who are some DJs who are female who you're really excited about at the moment? So I mean I really dig in what Alicia's doing. Um, I think she's got all the all the right ingredients there. I mean she's got management behind her. She's associated with Kaluki. Um, you know she's got a, a solid fan base. She's making a you know making her own music. So yeah. Space, that's that's an absolute given. You know, she's been under my wing for five years, and and to watch her grow. I mean, her story is like. Um, you know, she wasn't even into music, uh, into house when I met her. She was more into dubstep, like into what my, my husband plays. And she put herself through DJ school. She's self-taught production. She was my tour manager for a couple of years because I said, you know, come and learn the ropes. And then, you know, I'd call my friends and say, you know, give her a little warm-up set. Um, she'd go and do that, smash it, get repeat bookings. Um, you know, I was championing with her, championing her so much that, you know, Defective picked her up. But, you know, she stands on her own um, and I'm and, and it's... Yeah, I'm really, really proud of her. Saffron Stone, she seems to be like the live stream queen at the minute. Um, I love her energy. Yeah. Um, she's just again, she you know, she's had a had a boot off from Solotoko and she's making, you know, making music and kind of doing it all the right way. So they're kind of like 
the three that are on my radar. Um, yeah. Nice. Cool. It's just finding the time to like. Oh, he's still there. Yeah, yeah, still here. <laughs> Can you still hear me? Oh, this, oh no! It's, do you know what? It's because the speaker come off. Hang on. Oh, that's it. It's because I've had people calling me. I'm like, leave me alone. Um, yeah, they're the kind of like the three main ones that are on my radar just because we hang out and we talk um, and we're kind of like a little bit of a girl gang, I guess. But there's also Lindsay Matthews as well. She's well um, kind of under like underrated, I guess. She, you know, plays for more underground nights as well. I mean, I've, I've known her. And again, another one that's completely self-taught, production-wise and DJ-wise. And they're all kind of like within the last five years as well. So I rate their work ethic, I guess. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. This has been incredible. And No, no yeah, thank you very much for having me on as well. Time. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. I will do. You too. And I hope your mix goes really well. I'm sure it'll be thank amazing. You. I'll watch it thank when it you. goes out. <laughs> thank you so much. Lovely to meet you. You too. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.